Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Denver Broncos. This is the Broncos Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary and Broncos Wire editor, John Heath. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the show. John, a tough week for Broncos fans, I think. We were talking last week about this being a litmus test and uh, just a tough one, a tough game obviously with injuries, and I think where I want to start is uh, Drew Locke, right? I mean, how, how many times do you talk about with NFL about opportunity, right? Players are just waiting for an opportunity. I think when Drew Locke lost this quarterback battle with Teddy Bridgewater, he's now with the backup. He's waiting for an opportunity, and man, an opportunity came on Sunday, right? The Broncos were not playing well offensively, even with Teddy. Uh, Teddy then goes out with the uh, concussion. Drew Locke gets his opportunity, and the offense should not be put in a casket just because Drew Locke enters the game, John, right? Like, what happened? What what happened? Drew Locke got in the game, and he looked like it was his first game ever. Yeah, it was not good, and it was not good enough. And so many fans, all the Drew Locke stands, they have the built-in excuse that it's hard to come into a game cold as a quarterback. And I, I understand that to an extent. Like, I agree. I'm not saying it's easy to go into a game as a backup quarterback, but you've got to be able to do it. Like, so many of the great quarterbacks, like even Tom Brady himself, didn't, like, Drew Bledsoe get hurt, and that's the reason Tom Brady – I'm not, like, he's the greatest of all time, so it's a very high bar, but I'm just saying there's been times when a backup quarterback uh, has gotten an opportunity, he goes in, he takes advantage of it, and the team never looks back. Yep. And Drew Locke, if he had gone in, took advantage of it, the Broncos beat the Ravens, or even just – the offense plays well and they like lose by a field goal or whatever. And, and Locke comes in, gives him a spark and like he's throwing bombs and like doing more than what Bridgewater's done. Everybody would be like, oh, okay, Drew Locke is opening up this offense. We got to turn back to him. Like, oops, we were wrong about Drew Locke. And he totally did not do that. He, he just kind of did confirmation of all the Locke naysayers who were excited about Bridgewater winning the job because. Bridgewater, yeah, he's not exciting, but he's going to protect the ball. He's going to move the ball, and you're going to score points. Maybe not a ton, but he did at least get a touchdown against the Ravens. Locke couldn't even get one score, and Locke, like, yes, it was garbage time, but Locke threw an interception, and that's just that's been his problem his whole career. He can't protect the ball well enough, and he just can't move the ball well enough for them not to like. I'm not saying Bridgewater was playing great. Bridgewater wasn't having a good game either, but just looking at the numbers themselves and the eye test. Bridgewater was better than Locke on Sunday, and I think it just it shows that Bridgewater is the guy at QB, and it's going to be interesting to follow his concussion status this week because if if Bridgewater is not able to play against the Steelers, Locke he's going to get all the first team reps in practice, and then there's no more built-in excuse. There's no more. Well, he was coming into the game cold, and you know it's hard to do that. It's no. All, this whole week, he gets first team reps. He knows he's what well, he presumes he's acting as if he's starting against the Steelers. We won't know that until later in the week, but he's going about it as if he's going to start. He's ready. He's not going to be cold. And if he again is not good enough against the Steelers, like 
I'm ready to give up hope on Drew Locke. Like, I, I know some people are going to say that's too early, but he had basically all of last season. Once it good enough, like you're saying, when the opportunity presented himself, and then this weekend, if he gets a start handed to him because Bridgewater is out hurt and doesn't take advantage of it, I'm just going to be like, okay, to me, like it's time to stop waiting for Drew Locke to happen. Yeah, and, and are we expecting it to get better against the Steelers magically? Like that's 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 tough, right? I mean, like look, if when Locke comes in the game and he struggles for a couple series and he's overamped and he's overthrowing guys, fine, that's that's fine. But you know, he never got it going. Like he held onto the ball way too long. He was constantly throwing short of the sticks. Like on third downs, John, it was like maddening. Like how many times are you gonna throw it five yards short of the sticks and with no chance of getting the first down? Nowhere in sync with his receivers, especially downfield with Cortland Sutton, right? Like, it wasn't good. He didn't complete a lot of. He didn't complete a good percentage. Like you said, he threw the pick. He was sacked three times, and I think we all kind of knew the offense was dead when he when he got in there. And it was a rough game. Yeah, it was more of the same. It was a lot of the stuff that we've been complaining about him from last year. All his drawbacks. He was doing it again, and like it's like at some point, Locke, you got to take a step forward. And we just keep waiting and waiting. And fans are like, he needs time. He needs time. It's like, okay, well, how much time is it until it's just going to be like, okay, he's not making the progression. It's just time to move on from the hope that he's your future quarterback. I guess in his defense, the uh, it was a, it was a rough game for the offensive line, right? I think the Ravens. Yeah, it's very fair. Yeah, the Ravens had themselves a day. We talked about um, Moody and Miners getting a chance to fill in and, and show that they're ready to go, John. Well, it didn't go so well as you wrote after the game, no. right? For those two uh, young guards that got a chance to play in this one. Yeah, they struggled. And the good news for the Broncos' offensive line, it seems like Dalton Reisner should be able to come back this week. And then uh, Graham Glasgow, they're not as certain about him. I, I have a feeling Glasgow may miss another game, but that's not certain. But it seems like Reisner's much more likely than Glasgow at this point. And if that happens, I think it would be Reisner and Moody. And of the two young guards, I think Moody has looked better than Miners. Not that he's looked great, but I think he's looked better. So I think we should, the, I think the guard situation should be better this week but again it's not like the broncos have a an easy defense to face this week like the ravens they got some beasts on the defensive line but the steelers they've got some real problems on the defensive line so it's going to be another tough test for the offensive line i i do understand Locke didn't get a lot of help and he could but like bridgewater one thing i like so much about bridgewater early in the season is he manipulate the pocket he stayed calm he, he was sacked a couple times, even in the Ravens games, he was sacked a couple times, but he, he wants it reckless. Like he didn't force the ball instead of take a sack and he didn't fumble the ball, which is something Locke has had problems with. And a lot of times he's able to step out of pressure, keep things alive, keep his eyes downfield and still makes a, a completion for some kind of positive yard. So I just, even with the offensive line, like it, to me, it's another excuse. Like, yes, they're not playing great, but overcome it. Like you can take a couple sacks, but, you know, move around the pocket, keep things alive, show us that you can be the quarterback we need you to be. Now, last week, John, I was um, I was pro Broncos, right? I was all over them. I picked them in this game. I thought they were going to win the ball game. I was saying, do not discount their uh, first three wins just because they played crap opponents. And oh, my God, they played <laughs> the scum of the earth, right? Giants, Jags, Jets. It doesn't get worse than that. Um, I feel a little bit worse going into this game now. I, I just want to say this really quick. I disagree with the thing that I've been seeing out there like, 
Baltimore is one of the best teams, if not the best team in the AFC. So Denver's fine. Don't worry about. Oh, I don't goodness. agree with. I don't agree with that. No, uh, the Ravens. I don't even know if they're the best team in their own division. I definitely don't think they're the best team in the AFC. Not in the AFC. No, no. no. So I, I think the Ravens have their own problems, and we saw it in this game, right? Like get them in third and long, and you're going to get the ball back. They really have a hard time completing third and long. You just got to win first and second down. The Broncos did an okay job of that. There was some they, they'd like to have back, that deep ball to Hollywood Brown. They'd like to have that one back, obviously. But, you know, I look at this game, like even Teddy Bridgewater struggled against against this Ravens team, right? 44% completions of that first half, 4.1 yards per completion. So that downfield thing that we were excited about, it didn't really manifest itself in this game. I don't know if it was the game plan, if it was Teddy Bridgewater, if it was just a bad half or the pressure that they were giving up. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure all that played in. But I don't think Baltimore is the greatest team out there, John. They basically, I think the, the Ravens, as I said last week, I think they're a little overrated. I don't think they're that great. And I just think Denver came out. They played a kind of a safe kind of let's run the ball, do short passes kind of thing. I was hoping they'd open it up a little bit more and try to score because as we talked about, a 17-7, 20-7, that's the Ravens wheelhouse. They love that kind of game. And then it was just, yeah. I felt like you were playing into their hands with that game plan. So I put a little bit of this on the coaching staff as well. Like I, I just didn't like the approach. And I felt like that first half, it was like kind of playing football in quicksand almost, right? It was like playing football in the mud. They just couldn't get anything going. Yeah. I'm with you that the Ravens, they're not the best team in the AFC. I would not say that. I do think they are a good team. And I think at the moment, obviously we just saw they're a better team than the Broncos. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, They're fine. I they're think fine. that, I think they're going to be pushing for a playoff spot. And like, that's, that's what we wanted to see. Like, how are the Broncos going to stack up against a team like in playoff contention? Cause their first three opponents, they're not playoff contention caliber teams. And obviously the Broncos failed. And I think part of it, like you're saying with the downfield stuff, I think part of that is on like the play calling and Pat Shermer, the offensive coordinator. And I think part of it uh, comes back to KJ Hamler. They don't have him anymore. He's on injured reserve. Take it, losing away your your deep shot that really hurts, and then compounding it with not having Jerry Judy that that's two of your top receivers out right there. And Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick they just they couldn't really get it going. And I think it's in part because Hamler and Judy weren't there. Uh, two more guys that the defense has got to respect and account for. And I think going forward, David Moore last week he had just signed with the Broncos just a couple days before the game, and they didn't really use David Moore that much, at least not on offense. I think now that he's going to be getting up to speed going forward, I think Moore can kind of – he's not going to be to the extent of Hamler because he's not that fast. I'm not trying to suggest that. But I think he can be more of a deep threat, and I think he can – I think personnel is part of it, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. And I think things will be a little better for them because they're not going to play the Ravens every week. And, yes, they're not the best team in the AFC, but I think they are a legit team, and I think they're a good defense. And I, I think brighter days are ahead for the Broncos. They just got to – lick their wounds and get some stuff together. Yeah, I think they're better than what they showed us this past week. It's just disappointing because this was the day, right? This is the game to kind of to kind of show it. Like we're not we're not 3 and 0 because of our crap schedule. We're 3 and 0 because we're a good football team and they didn't really show it. They didn't really show us that. No, they did not. Uh, but I put some of the blame on the coaching staff. I don't think it was a good day for the coaches. I don't think it was a good day for Vic Fangio, especially in the post game. I want to talk about that. Let's do it coming up next. This is the Typical Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. 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 Hello, Fantasy Faithful. Welcome to Week 5 of the Fantasy Football Season. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com. Here to bring you strong play. Minnesota Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins versus the Detroit Lions. 
While statistically this actually ranks as just the 20th best matchup for quarterbacks, much of that is due to facing San Francisco and Chicago. Detroit gave up over 24 fantasy points to Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers, and Cousins should benefit from a healthier Dalvin Cook to keep the defense focused off of the passing attack. Also working in his favor, Detroit lost arguably its best pass rusher this past week, and Kirk Cousins has gone for three touchdowns or more in three of his last four games versus the Lions. Atlanta Falcons running back Mike Davis versus the New York Jets. Cordero Patterson has received all of the hype, and rightfully so, but Davis has managed to remain a weekly play. It hasn't been pretty, and he hasn't been explosive, but what better time to bring in a Jets defense that has given up 111.8 rushing yards per game, that's the seventh most, eight catches, the second most, and 72 yards to the air, also the second most, to the running back position. One in every 22.2 touches by RBs have made it into the end zone. Miami Dolphins wide receiver Jalen Waddle at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We could see tons of short passes to Waddle against Tampa Bay if the Buccaneers can pressure Jacoby Brissett heavily. Last week we saw signs of the Buccaneers pass rush coming to life. In week four, Waddle saw only four targets, but he had 12 passes come his way the prior week against a very capable Las Vegas pass rush. More pressure could equal shorter passes to get the ball out of the hands faster for Jacoby Brissett. No Will Fuller also means more work for Jalen Waddle. Despite all of Tampa's injuries in the secondary, the existing personnel actually matches up fairly well with the wide receivers from Miami. Look for Waddle to be used as a quasi-running back in this game. Cincinnati Bengals tight end C.J. Ozoma against the Green Bay Packers. He was a two-touchdown performer last week and has only a minor role, but he gets a chance to show it wasn't a fluke against a defense that has allowed averages of over six catches a game, 56 yards per game, and a touchdown every eight and a quarter catches to the position. This is the number seven overall matchup in PPR, number eight in standard scoring, and Green Bay's secondary and linebacking core will really be scraping at the bottom of the barrel to provide adequate depth after several injuries in both layers. While there's a lot of fluidity about the personnel situation, what is static? Green Bay stinks at guarding tight ends. For more fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please check out the award-winning huddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with the huddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, not a great day for Vic Fangio. As I said, John, the offense was freaking terrible, and Drew Locke wasn't ready. I put a lot of that on him. Like, what are you doing, Drew Locke? How are you not ready to grab that opportunity? Like, this is your your kind of your career is kind of fading here. You have this opportunity to show that you could do it, and you do that. You just completely drop the ball and just look terrible. But I think it's on the coaches too. Why wasn't the backup quarterback ready to come in and move the football and, and have a uh, just an average offensive performance? Would have been better than that. But it was a terrible day. And then, you know, a lot of drama coming up late where the Ravens, obviously, John, this has been well documented. The Ravens not kneeling on the ball with three seconds remaining. I think it was after that interception, right? The score is 23 to 7. 
the Ravens, instead of kneeling the, on the ball to run the clock out like everybody does, instead they had Lamar Jackson in the shotgun and he rushes it to the left side, picks up some yards, and um, the Ravens tie a record for the most consecutive 100-yard rushing games performances in NFL history for the team. So they're going after a record. Uh, Harbaugh said afterwards it was about building team morale. And Fangio basically said that's a bunch of BS, and he didn't like that. And when he was asked about it, he kind of went after Harbaugh a little bit and said that's kind of how they operate over there. They don't care about player safety, and he kind of went on and on. And here's my beef with Fangio, John. Never mind the crap game plan and the team falling flat against the Ravens at home in this game and them making me look stupid for picking them, all that. (laughs) You know, I'm mad at Fangio for a lot of things. But Fangio also used three timeouts in the final 36 seconds with his own Broncos down 23 to 7, right? Why would he do that? Would it be because he wants to have something for morale, right? Get his touchdown at the end of the game, give him give him something to talk about in the locker room, give him give his team something to feel positive about. Isn't that for morale? Didn't Harbaugh do the same thing, giving his team one last rushing play for morale to build the team morale to to get that record? So I think if Harbaugh were to call a bunch of timeouts to get the ball back, John, and then ran a play and kind of manipulated the situation a little bit, then I would be ripping John Harbaugh and I'd be all in with Fangio. But Fangio calling a bunch of timeouts with the game already over to try to score a touchdown that didn't matter and then to turn around and preach player safety on the other end of it because Jim Harbaugh ran a play with Lamar Jackson, like I think that's a little hypocritical and I think Fangio is, he needs to shut his freaking mouth and just say, look, we got to coach it better. We got to play better. We sucked in this game. And that's all I want to hear from Vic Fangio. I don't want to hear him bitching about Jim Harbaugh. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. What do you think? Yeah, I'm not defending Fangio for his Monday press conference. And uh, I I was kind of surprised how mad he was about that. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if it's like one of those things where you're mad about something really big and then this little small thing happens and you get really frustrated and like lash out at the small thing when really it's the big thing. Sure. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Fangio, he's just really mad about the game and then that's just the cherry on top. And then on Monday during the press conference when he's asked about it, like it's all this built up frustration. You just take it out on that thing. I wouldn't be surprised if it's that kind of a deal and not like justifying it. And I'm not in Vic Fangio's head, so I don't know if that's what, the dealers or not, but I was like, why are you so mad about that? Like, it, I think it was kind of silly from the Ravens to have Lamar Jackson do that. Like I'm fine with chasing the record, but to me, I'm like, put in like your backup running back or something like in preseason, they were trying to chase like a preseason wins record. And like JK Dobbins and starters were still in the game and Dobbins went down with a season ending injury. So I'm like, haven't you guys learned that like these basically meaningless stats, like sure, go for them, but like do it with like your backups. So, so I, Fangio, his like little rant, I'm not defending him for his rant, but I will defend using the three timeouts and trying to get a garbage time touchdown because even Harbaugh, he mentioned that himself when Harbaugh was asked about Fangio's comments. He said something like, oh, well, I'm not aware of a 16-point touchdown, so I don't know what they were doing <laughs> there. And I don't, I don't think that's a fair comparison because we see all the time in the NFL teams – trying to get a garbage time touchdown, like you're saying, trying to build uh, morale and like momentum, like get your offense going into the next week, be like, okay, we had a good final drive. Let's build on that. Like you see the Broncos that happened to them against the giants. The giants had a garbage time touchdown right at the end. And it just happens. Like that's common. A team getting the ball back up by double digits with three seconds left and chasing a basically meaningless, meaningless record opposed to just kneeling ball, like that's not common. That's not something you see every game. And I also like technically 
it was very, very unlikely. But technically, the Broncos, they could, they had time. They could have scored a touchdown. They could have got a two-point conversion. And then super unlikely, but they could have tried an onside kick, got it with one second left, had a miracle play, scored a touchdown, and done a two-point conversion. Like, the chances of that happening are basically zero. But, like, in theory, it's possible. Whereas the Ravens, when they got the ball back, there's nothing the Broncos could do. It's just three seconds down two scores. That's impossible. There's no way the Broncos could get back in it. But when the Broncos had the ball, technically – it was possible, even though everybody knew that wouldn't happen. It was possible. So, like, I don't think it's a like-for-like like comparison. When Harbaugh said that, I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think that's a like-for-like like comparison. But I'm with you that Fangio being so worked up about it, I don't, I don't think it's really worth getting that worked up about and calling out for player safety and stuff because if the Broncos – if the shoe was on the other foot and the Broncos wanted a record that they thought was really cool and I thought was cool, I'd want them to do it too. I just – I would say do it with like your backup running back, not your star quarterback. I think that was too risky. But the decision itself, I wasn't that worked up about. And I was surprised that Fangio was. Yeah, it was a little corny, right? It's it's super corny. Like, well, we want to have the most consecutive 100-yard rushing. Nobody cares, Harbaugh. Nobody <laughs> freaking cares about that. Nobody Clearly, knew, they do. Nobody knew that existed. Like, none of us knew <laughs> that existed, right, John, until the postgame. Yeah, we had no idea. Like, why funny. do you do that? Mike Kliss, who works for Nine News in Denver, he actually reached out to the Steelers running backs that set the original record, and they told him they were like, oh, I didn't even know we had that <laughs> yeah, record. No, no. Like, Nobody cares. That just shows you, like, it's basically meaningless. Like, it's a cool little thing, but it's basically meaningless. What a nerd. Like, John Harbaugh. Like, what are you doing? Like, that's, <laughs> like it's so meaningless. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And why does... Why does he have Lamar Jackson run the ball job? Because he's so yeah, that he was cares so risky. He cares so much that he wanted to make sure he got it. He wanted to make sure he got the five yards or whatever they needed. It's ridiculous. So yeah, no, I mean, like I said, I have no problem with Fangio saying that's a bunch of BS. Screw them. What a bunch of idiots, right? Like I have no problem with them doing that. It's what you said. The player safety thing, like, yeah, okay. I so now you're making me retract my own. I'm re, like I'm going back in my head and maybe I want to go into like a take correction mode, John, because I didn't think about the mile high miracle, right? The onside kick with three seconds left and you, you get the ball and you have time. I don't know. Like, very unlikely, but I know the, the mile high city miracle, something like that. I don't know. Maybe we could come up with a nickname for it. We needed you know, some type of miracle to happen for the Broncos to actually be in it. But, you know, couldn't Fangio, instead of bitching about player safety, when he himself had a couple of key guys, including the quarterback, get hurt in this game, the game is over. We all know it's over. Couldn't you just run the clock out instead of calling those timeouts and just freaking let's get on with life. You didn't have to do that. So I, the player safety thing, I thought it's like, shut up, Fangio. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we all know Harbaugh is a freaking he's a nerd for doing that. We all know it's like nobody cares. But I thought the player safety thing, I'm like, come on, Fangio. Like, that's where he lost me, John. That was just that comment, that little piece of it. Yeah, that's fair enough, especially because it's football, like literally any play, even a, a kneel down, like you could tweak your ankle or something. So I, I guess I'm with you there. I just thought uh, Harbaugh's clap back. I was like, nah, that's not completely like for like scenario. I mean, I think I could hurt my ankle on a kneel down. There's no doubt about <laughs> it at, at my age at this point. Um, but, you know, it, it also rubbed me the wrong way, John, because it was after a, a tough loss. And it's just like I, mm. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even talk about this if they was coming off a win and, and I wouldn't even care. But it's a loss. And I just don't want to hear Fangio bitching about something like this post game. Yeah. And on Monday well, morning, like that's, that's like I said. I bet it's just like, it's not even that big of a deal. It's just when you're already mad and then there's just that little zinger rubbed in, like you lash out at that little thing. That's not even that big of a deal. It's just that you are, well, I'm just assuming, but I just feel like you have the built up anger 
and then you lash out on that irritation that's not even that big of a deal that's that's what I'm thinking happened. I don't know. Well, let's see. Maybe the maybe the Broncos will be so mad at Jim Harbaugh and the Ravens for doing that, John, that they're going to come out and go get those Steelers on the road. Should be I'd an like interesting to game. see that. Yeah, this should be a good matchup. Broncos underdogs for the first time this season. John and I will talk about the spread and make a pick coming up next. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of Bet Slippin' Podcast and SportsbookWire.com here with my colleague Jeff Clark to break down the Week 5 Sunday night football matchup between the Buffalo Bills and Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are two-and-a-half-point home favorites, minus 122 odds. The Bills, plus 2.5, minus 102. I'm really on the Chiefs here. They've had the much tougher schedule of the Bills. I think the Bills might be a little bit too used to playing cupcake opponents and the Chiefs handled the Bills twice last season, including the AFC Championship game. This is a very manageable number for them. They're in the thick, or they're in the bottom of the AFC West. They need to start piling up the wins. The Bills are in cruise control atop the AFC East. Give me Kansas City. Jeff? Yeah, I'm going with the Buffalo Bills, plus two and a half. Speaking of cupcake schedules, the Bills definitely play a cupcake schedule, but I don't think they're going to play an easier defense all season, the Kansas City Chiefs. They have more balance. They're better on both sides of the ball. Uh, they got a higher EPA differential, and I'm going to go with the Bills, plus two and a half, and might even sprinkle a little bit on the dog's money line here. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with the huddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-522. 4700 in Colorado. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, John, Broncos at Steelers. We have no clue who's playing quarterback. Uh, hopefully after last week, it's Teddy Bridgewater. We're really hoping Teddy's okay and he can get himself cleared and, and play in this ballgame. Um, I believe the line was two and a half points. I believe it's come down to one and a half, but the Steelers are the favorite. So the Broncos are getting one and a half points. You know, I'm looking at this matchup, John. I want to get your take on it. The Steelers, they really have no offensive line. Uh, ben Roethlisberger doesn't seem like he has much in, left in the tank, right? And um, I think this could be a really good day for the defenses, and I think it could be a really good day for the Broncos' defense uh, to come after Big Ben and uh, make some plays. Always a tough game in Pittsburgh. I think the Steelers certainly have an advantage when their defense is on the field and in special teams, for sure. The Steelers have a pretty nasty special teams. They've, they've already made some plays, uh, potential game swinging plays. I don't know if you saw that. And that's a weakness for the Broncos too. They scored a touchdown on special teams against the bills and they almost had one against the Packers on kind of a controversial offsides call on Joe Hayden. So yeah, they're nasty on special teams are really good. And so there could be, could be some phases where the Steelers have an advantage, but What's your initial take on this matchup? Yeah, for me, it comes down to quarterback because if if Teddy Bridgewater is cleared from the concussion protocol, 
and he plays, especially with Ben Roethlisberger being banged up on the other side. I, I like the Broncos' chances a lot. That's like the Steelers. I don't think they're as bad as their record looks. Like they're one in three, so you just assume they're a terrible team. Like, like they're having their struggles, but I think playing at home in Pittsburgh, like they're especially they have a good defense. And as you mentioned, they have good special teams. Like they're gonna get up for the game. They're gonna be a test. But if the Broncos have Bridgewater. And like I said earlier, if David Moore is going to be the third receiver and is more up to speed this week, and Javante Williams, he had that such good run against the beastly. Ravens. And then that after a that, beastly run. yeah, that was so good. And I feel like they kind of got away from the run game a little bit. And I think it was a little bit because of the game flow, like they fell behind the Ravens. They kind of had to throw. So hopefully this week they'll be able to get Javante Williams going, keep Melvin Gordon in the mix. And if, if Teddy Bridgewater is there protecting the ball, manipulating the pocket, avoiding the rush, because they're, the Steelers are going to get after him. I really, I think the Broncos have a good shot. But if Bridgewater does it play, and it's Drew Locke who is not as elusive in the pocket as we would like him to be, and has not protected the ball as well as he should, like I don't have any confidence in the in the Broncos' offense. And really, I don't think Steelers fans have a lot of confidence in their offense either. My nope. brother-in-law Steve, he he even told me Steve Kreiner. He was like, "You can quote me." The offensive line is terrible. Ben Roethlisberger is washed up. The only bright spot is their rookie running back. And he doesn't think the defense is that hot either. So shout out to Steve. He wanted me to get that in there. Um, and I, I think he's right. Like, I think the Steelers are a very beatable team. And the, the only thing is they're playing at home and the Broncos have uncertainty at quarterback. So for me, if it's Bridgewater, I'm picking Broncos. And if it's Locke, I probably would lean towards Steelers. And the problem is we may not know that possibly even up until Sunday, the day of the game. It, you just don't know when or if Bridgewater will get cleared from the protocol. So honestly, I would kind of want to stay away from picking a winner for this game until there's quarterback clarity. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm staying away from the spread. You know, it's so hard to when a, when a spread's one and a half. It's it's basically a pick at that point. It's really hard to make that call, especially when you don't have all the information. I think if I'm going to make a wager on this on this game and make a pick, I'm looking at the total at 40 and a half and we're already talking about it. Like it's going to be a good day for the defenses. I think Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke, I kind of, I kind of think it could be a tough day against the Steelers. Um, You know, they might be a little overrated in some aspects, but they still get after the passer pretty well. And they're still, they're, they're always a tough defense at home when you got to deal with the crowd noise and all that. So I think 40 and a half, it's a low number. I think a small wager on the under makes some sense to me, right? Uh, I I do feel like Broncos defense, Steelers defense, they could uh, they could have a say in this game. It, it could be one of those, you know, rough defensive, lots of field goals. John, one of diehards' dream, right? Good football, you know, a football lover's dream, that kind of game. Yeah, I could see it coming under forty points because I the Broncos offense last week not any good. If Locke's starting, I don't think it's going to be a whole lot better. The Steelers offense I think has been underwhelming, and people, the, Vic Fangio and some of the Broncos defenders they've been kind of buttering up uh, Ben Roethlisberger, saying that uh, the talk about his decline is overblown. And he's still really good and all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't believe that at all. You're just <laughs> saying that because you're about to play him. Yeah, they can like, see it on is, film. <laughs> He is big time on the decline. He does not have the arm he once had. He doesn't even have the mobility he once had. So I really think they they could get after him and make his life miserable. And there's a possibility that Ronald Darby might be back from injured reserve this week. So if you get Darby back, you got uh, Kyle Fuller, you got Bryce Callahan. We're not quite sure on Pat Sertan, but if 
Darby comes back, that's a huge plus if Sertan's not able to play. And then obviously you've got Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons on the back. And then Caden Stearns, their rookie safety, he's playing so well just as a rotational guy. He had two sacks against the Ravens, and the week before that, I think it was, he had an interception. So we, we know their secondary is loaded, and I just think Roethlisberger, with his current form, I think they could take advantage of that and kind of cause some problems for the Steelers' offense. So I think Denver's offense could have a slow day at the offense, and Pittsburgh at the office, and Pittsburgh's offense could have a slow day at the office. So I'm I'm with you that I could definitely see it being under 40 points. Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, he has no run game, John. Uh, same thing as last year, and you you nailed it. He can't move. He can't freaking move. And when you have no off, when your offensive line's not protecting you, and you're constantly under the rush, and you can't move, um, you end up throwing the football really early, short of the sticks. And you don't have a lot of explosive plays. And that's what's been plaguing the Steelers. They're just too easy to defend right now. And I know Mike Tomlin's been going on and on about getting explosive plays. But I don't know how you do it if you don't protect the quarterback. (laughs) So um, interesting little matchup. And uh, another big one for the Broncos. Like, man, uh, I don't feel as good about them this week as I did last. But like. If you go to three and two, then we're having a we're having a tough conversation next week about where this team's at, right? I mean, it's a sneaky big game for them. It, you know, it's it, it feels a lot like last week going into that Ravens game. Like this is a game, maybe even more so. They should probably win this one. I, I think if I'm if I had to make a pick on who the better team is, if Teddy Bridgewater's starting, I am taking the Broncos. I'm, I'm with you, but man, I you know three and two that'd be rough. You know, losing these two games back to back after the start they had. Yeah, it's a winnable game. You gotta win winnable games, especially because uh the week following that the Raiders come to town yep. and suddenly the Raiders look like a good team. Like Derek Carr is putting up really good numbers. So and even if the Raiders hadn't had a hearts uh fast start, like the Broncos and Raiders, they always get up to play each other. So you can never take a division game for granted and just say, uh, you're gonna for sure win that. Like the Raiders are gonna be a tough test. So if you go into that game, three and two and risk dropping to three and three after a three and zero start, that's going to be terrible. So it's important for them to, to get these winnable games early in the season, because as the year goes on, you've got the chiefs coming up twice, the chargers, Justin Herbert, he looks so good. The chargers are on your schedule twice. So you got to get these games now while you can. The wild AFC West, John, it's, it's a, it's a fun place to be where everyone's tied in first place, except the Kansas city chiefs. Oh, I love man. that. Yeah, I still great. love that. It's great. And look out Kansas city chiefs. Cause you got the bills coming to town this weekend and you might be in big trouble. I really like the big. Yeah. We're big time Buffalo fans. Oh this yeah. Week. I, Everybody I think, in Denver. And never mind that. I just think Buffalo's better. Um, oh uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. Too. I think the chiefs defense is um, leaky. Terrible. Leaky. Yep. Yeah. They're giving up 30 points to uh, Jalen hurts and the freaking Eagles. And, any team could score 30 on them. So uh, look out. The Bills could easily hang 40 or 50. That's going to be a fun game on Sunday night. Uh, but yeah, but Broncos Steelers should be good. Get into some division matchups after that. Looking forward to that. John, enjoy some football. You want to say bye to the people? Yeah, let's let's get this win in Pittsburgh and then let's get on to Raiders week. Raiders week's always fun in Broncos country. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.
just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.